Sound one, two. Good morning, everyone. Hallelujah. Man, you know, when that worship started, I was feeling so vulnerable. I was like, Ugh, what's going on? And next minute, that, that tenderness, where's Ash? Oh, he's already. Oh, there, yeah. That tenderness he was talking about. Man, I don't know. Did you guys feel it? Yes, it was, it was great. God is good. We, you know, we are so privileged to be children of God, hey? You know, you think about it. Do you guys remember back in, in, in your, your days in school, however long ago that was for you? But, you know, there was always like that one kid that was just lucky to have a certain parent, you know? Like, for example, if it was always that kid in class who came with the best lunch, you were just like, yes, you're so lucky to have a mom like yours, hey? You know, flop, like, jeez. Or if you were on the sports field and there was another kid's dad who was always there at every match, every practice, he was talking to the coach, he was always cheering on the kids, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about? And you're like, yes, man, you're so lucky that your dad's always here, you know, sort of thing. Man, how blessed are we to have the father that we have, eh? I mean, do you think about the deepest desire that, that you could ever imagine, the, the most content feeling that you could ever desire, he fulfills every single one of them. Every single one. Purely based on who he is and how he loves you. Amen? It is, yes, see, uh, me personally, I know for a fact, I don't spend enough time thinking about that, man, seriously. I, I could definitely put more effort into thinking about that and experiencing him in that regard. Amen? You guys as well. Amen? We all could. Hallelujah. And uh, while Pastor Didi makes his way to the stage, they thought for a second it was just me today. They were getting nervous. <laughs> Don't worry, you guys got plenty of chances to be nervous with what Pastor Didi has for us today. But um, <laughs> before we get onto that, though, uh, who's been here for our relationship series? Thank you, Father. Okay, okay take this. Okay. Oh. Oh, there's still stuff in here. Sorry, man. Uh, who's been here for our series? Sorry, I'll ask that question. I didn't check. Nice. How's it been? Hey. Amazing, very good, good, lots, lots of nods. You're getting nods that are like, yeah, other nods are like, yeah, you know. <laughs> but it's, it, it is, you know, as uh, the way we've been created, you know, primarily we're emotional beings, you know, that means that um, God intended for us to live uh, with every experience that is uh, um, in this world, every experience must be full, you know what I'm saying? It, it must be uh, full of emotion, full of experience, and it must eventually stem from that place, that feeling that we were talking about in our hearts. You know what I'm saying? And uh, it's so difficult. I mean, you think about it. We were chatting about it yesterday. You know, in this world, if you could just control your emotions and control your body, you really got no issues. Think about it. Well, you better control your body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, think <laughs> about it. You know, it's kind of like the two base things, you know. But unfortunately, what we're doing is like we've been discussing where we, you know, we spoke about codependency. We spoke about self-righteousness last week, you know. Or like, ew, that was, a, that was a bit hectic. I think uh, especially when we got into the manipulation, you know, the emotional manipulation, you know, all that kind of stuff. And when we, when we take it back, uh, we closed off last week and we were talking about how that we have to be fulfilled in God first. Before we go to anyone, before we can even intend to have any kind of friendship, business relationship, romantic relationship, whatever it is, any kind of interaction with people, we must make sure that we are feeling the fullness of God within us. Amen? We went into uh, uh, the secret of being content. You know, we, we unpacked that one. I got a lot of feedback about that, by the way. Everyone's like, what? Is that what this scripture is talking about? Yeah, that's what it's talking about, is that, you know, in Jesus, you can always be fulfilled regardless of the experience you're having. It's crazy when you read scriptures in context. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, there's revelation. It's like, whoa, <laughs> I just read in this revelation. But that's the beauty about the Word of God. You know, we've, we, we, in this church, we've just read scriptures upon scriptures, and I promise you, we've got reactions from the, from the congregation where they thought we were doing some crazy sermons. Like, guys, we're just reading yeah. <laughs> what it says it's here. It's scary, man. It's scary. It just shows you how many scriptures are not covered in church today, mm. you know? How we pick and choose what we want so that we can control the codependency of the pastor so that he can control the congregation. Mm. Mm. Hey, Yo. hey, hey. See, codependency goes into everything, guys, like we saw last week. But this week, we're going to get into marriage. And we're going to get into a little bit about, about sex. 
Who was that? <laughs> what did Oba say? Mm. <laughs> Yo, yes, see. Oba's a married man, it's fine. Hey man, 70 yeah. something still got fire in the bones there. It's <laughs> 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 a good you example, must, eh? You must show us what you're putting in your coffee, Oba. Come on, man. I know, I know for the last... What? He's putting grandpa in his car. That's not grandpa. <laughs> That's the blue, the blue grandpa, not the white one. <laughs> uh, well, that certainly warmed up the place. Well, anyway, we, we g- <laughs> we're going to get into some, some uh, interesting stuff here today. We're going to show you something that I don't think most people in Christian society or in church today know the mystery of of the gospel. Do you know, funny enough, what I just said, that word marriage, the Bible calls it the mystery of the gospel. So we're going to get into something where we're going we're to show you today. You're going to be totally blown away. Everything that we've been speaking about over the last couple of weeks, how it's all going to come together in marriage. Marriage is the model for all relationships. Now, remember, we've been saying that our relationship vertically gives birth to our marriage, uh, to our relationship horizontally, okay? And we're going to tie it all up this week, but just showing you why Christ calls you His bride. Amen? Amen? We're going to show you. Are you guys ready? Just say, just shake it up a little bit. No religion. If you've got any religion on you, this is going to hurt you. Okay? Are you with me, guys? Luckily, we're free. Praise the Lord. Let's go straight. We've got to build up to this. So let's go to 1 Timothy 6.17. We're going to read two scriptures quick to set it up. And then we're going to get into some stuff here. I want to see this. You know, with two or three witnesses, we can build a doctrine or a belief system. And we're going to do that right now. So 1 Timothy 6.17 is coming up any second now. Thank you, Annie. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Okay, we're going to, are you guys, it gives us all things richly to enjoy. Okay, let's go to the next scripture, which is, oh geez, uh, I didn't get the reference. (laughs) Okay. To the pure, all things are pure. I'm trying to remember now. I didn't actually put my reference down. But anyway, I'll read it to you. I've got it here. Okay, it says, To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. Okay. So, here we go. Nothing on this planet that God has given us is dirty. Nothing on this planet that God has given us is defiled. Not even the desires you have in your heart, even up until the sexual desires that you carry, they are not evil. God put them there. If God didn't put them there, none of us will be sitting here today. That's a Revelation. Titus 1, 15. Sorry. Oh, there we go. So what are we getting at here? We're getting at that nothing, 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 nothing. The only thing that makes something defiled is the perverted desire, which comes from man. You see, all those desires, everything that God has given us, He put them there. But the problem is, when we go and try to fulfill them outside of Him, that's when it becomes a sin. That's when it becomes perverted. Are you with me? Turn to the person next to you and say, man, even those sexual desires, you sexy thing, my, uh, my wife. My wife. <laughs> yeah. say, say that to your wife, Say that please. to your own spouse, please. <laughs> So here we see that all things are given for our pleasure. Nothing in of itself is impure. Only the hearts will make it something defiled, okay? 
or our doubt or our unbelief. You see, our doubt and our unbelief that settles in our heart and makes us think that, listen, I want that thing, I need that thing. And then what we do is we actually doubt that God can gratify us, that God can bring it into our life in His time, in His way, in His teaching, in His purity, and it can still fulfill us the way we want to be fulfilled. You see, that's where the doubt comes in. That's when we start to second-guess God. When we start to second-guess Him, thinking that He can't do that, we make a plan. Are you with me? We run out, we make a plan, and we try to fulfill ourselves and fulfill that desire. Are you following, guys? So to wrap it up is as follows. Every desire given to us from God is good. But if we doubt that He can fulfill it or give us the ultimate pleasure of that thing, we then fall into sin. Okay? Let's go to um, James. Okay, before we get to James, uh, James 16, 13, sorry, 1 James, James 1, 13 and 16, 2, 16. Let's just have a look at this. So what we've done is, as, as church, okay, as, as a Christian society, we take something like sex or we take money and we have deemed what is good about it, what is bad about it, what is wrong with it and what is right with it. Are you with me? And over the years, you will not hear people speak about sex in church. Why? Because it's a dirty thing. Why? Because we're looking at sex and how sex can fulfill us through our own eyes. Are you with me? We don't speak about money because, you know, money has the power to draw us away from God. But money is a need. Money has an essential part in our lives. But we won't talk about money. And what we will do is we'll just tell everybody, listen, to be poor is is a humble thing. How many of you guys know if you've been in church for a while, some of the biggest church-splitting doctrines have been money and poverty. You weren't allowed to be rich back in the day. Because if you were rich, you were haughty and prideful. Are you with me? And to be truly humble, you had to be a, a, a poor man. This is how the, trees of the, knowledge, the tree of the knowledge and good and evil has worked against us. Are, are you guys following? There's nothing evil of itself. Nothing. And it's like we were talking about last week, you know, how we, we touched on that, uh, you know, God doesn't create anything corrupt. Everything God created is perfect. And that includes you and I. You, you know what I'm saying? So uh, in our perspective of these things, you know, and, and I think we, we touched on this last year sometime, you know, when we were talking about desires and being fulfilled in God, you know, and all these things. And um, it's actually quite scary when you think about certain perspectives that e- every one of us carry about different things in life and how we think that, geez, that's bad, but God created it for good. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I won't forget uh, back in the day when I started playing guitar, right? My first guitar was, uh, I think I paid 30 bucks for it or something. Yeah, I think it was great, man. Oh, my goodness. It was called a crescendo because it was, like, really loud. So I drove everyone crazy because I, I only knew two chords for two months. That's all I knew, and I strummed the heaven into that thing, all right? I was going to say something else. But uh, then I got electric, you know, and everything. Then you start learning all the different things. Now, if you are a musician or whatever, um, church music is great for singers. So church music, you have more than enough singers in church music. And man, you're going to find them male, female, harmonies, choirs, everything. They are all there. But when it comes to the instruments, I'm speaking for the guys at the back, we lack a bit, you know. So we go into the, the more crazy, you know, we go into distortion and we start listening to different music. For the guitar quality, you know, we want to get different skill and, you know, all that stuff. And I'll never forget, one of our, our family friends, you know, comes over one day and I'm busy there and I'm like just distortioning this little amp of mine. Man, it was great. My sister hated it. She wanted to jump out the window, but it's fine. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he comes up to me and he says, he's like, he's like, oh, you're playing guitar. I'm like, yeah, no, no, it's cool. I'm learning, you know, all this stuff. And he says this to me. He says, no, no, but you don't do that distortion thing. That's of the devil. 
You know, in my heart, I purposed that day. I was like, I would prefer distortion over this man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because the problem is, is that we've been given, so, now it's a trivial example, but we take it into so many things in life. You know what I'm saying? Because the perversion of every good and perfect thing that God has created is always in our faces. So what we would rather do is have nothing to do with it than to seek God for its pure intended purpose. Are you with me? Listen, there's nothing wrong with distortion. Even the guy who created distortion, even if he created it for evil, God gave him the gift to create it. Hello? And God redeemed it. And God redeemed Through it. Through Christ. That's it, 100%. So the key is this now, like we saw in Titus, right? If your heart is pure, everything that you're doing is pure. But if you have the evil intent in your heart, I'm telling you, even what is pure, you will make corrupt. Are you guys with me? Let's take guns, for example. Are guns bad? Everyone's like, yes. Well, wait, hold on. Let's think about this. What does it depend on? Who's holding the gun? If a cop shows up and saves you from an angry mob that's about to kill you and he starts with his gun, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing. But it's a bad thing if someone breaks into your house and shoots you with a gun. That's a bad thing. Are you guys with me? So, yeah, and, and the, the key is this, is that that's how God intended it from the beginning. Even when he gave Adam the decree, you know, from the beginning, Adam was supposed to shape it in line with his relationship with God. Are you guys with me? And it's like the point you were talking about now, about how that the corruption has come in when we've decided how to use things or how to go about things independent of him. Listen, if, if money is... If money comes, or let's say sex, for instance, let's use the word sex. Sex comes from God. God created it, right? Because God created the anatomy of a man and a woman, and he knew that intercourse would be the way we reproduce. So, so are we saying that sex is dirty and it's evil? Are we not in turn saying that God is good and evil? Hello? We've got to be careful. We've got to be careful how we see things. We can't allow uh, uh, um, religion to, to determine these things. We need to go to God and, f and seek out the purity of everything that He's given us. 100%. Let's go. If we're saying that God, uh, uh, if, if sex is bad and sex is evil, and God gave it, so God is good and God is evil. Now, that is believed in church today. I don't know how many of you guys know, but many of the Calvinists, many of the, uh, there's a lot of religions that actually believe that God is the author of good and evil. Oh, yeah. But let's go to the scripture. Let's go to 1 James 13, 16, as we're building up here. Let's have a look at this. Okay, we'll go to 16. Okay, any? Let no one say he is tempted. So let no, let, let no one say, when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Amen? Yeah. So, do you know, if we can, actually, let's go on. Let's go on a bit. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to 16. Here we go. For every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. That's it. Okay? And comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creature. Of, uh, of first fruits? Yeah. Of his creatures. Creation. Yeah. So, so wh what is this saying, guys? There is no evil on God. There is no shifting shadows. God is good. He is only good. Amen? Perfect but the problem is, I mean, it's saying every good gift, every perfect gift, you know, there's a difference between a good gift and a perfect gift. We'll get into that. But, but imagine this. So the problem is when the Father of lights, let's just use this truth, this light as truth over here. That, that's probably instance. as bright as Jesus. <laughs> that's quite bright, yeah. So 
There's no shifting shadows on God. There's no, there, he, when he turns, there's just absolute purity, perfect light. There's no darkness, there's no evil, there's nothing on him except perfection, purity. Okay? Now, he's given us things like marriage. He's given us uh, uh, sex. He's given us money. He's given us each other. He's given us all these desires in our hearts that need to be fulfilled. His intention is, it's good for you. Amen? It's good for you. All those desires that you want to fulfill, it's good. But the problem is, when we, in actual fact, to make that good desire a perfect desire is when you open up that desire under the light. Yeah. Let me give you an example. Let's say this is sex. I, I don't know, we can talk about sex a lot this morning. Let's say, I don't know, I've got sex in the brain. I don't know. <laughs> Babe, what's happening here? We've got to have more of it. <laughs> Either we're having too much or we're not having enough because it just keeps coming up. I don't know, but anyway. So, <laughs> so the thing is, let's take it at sex, okay? Now, if I want to take this good gift, sex, and enjoy it in its, and turn it into a perfect gift, I do it under the light. I do it pure, under the light with him. If I, the moment I take it, okay, and I block it with my heart, and I stop the light from coming on it, Immediately, mm, my little precious, mm, you will serve me. My little precious desire. My little precious gift, my talent, it's all mine, it's for me. The moment you turn it away from the light and you decide how it will serve you or how it will fulfill you, it becomes evil. Amen? It's good. It's good for you. Have as much of it as you want. But do it in the light, in the framework of how it was designed to fulfill your heart. Amen? 100%. Isn't it amazing, all the guys that are running around sleeping with thousands of women, well, thousands, jeez, well, I know Solomon did. Solomon was busy, never had uh, super sport those days. <laughs> Very hectic. <laughs> but he, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he turned it into super sport, yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so... Isn't it, a cra isn't it crazy that the guy that's always looking for sex with women thinks that he, he needs it to satisfy him, but he's never satisfied? No? I mean, how much do you need of it before you're satisfied? Are, are you with me? Mm -hmm. Why? Why is it an empty, this empty hole that he can't fulfill? Why? Because he's not doing it in the framework and the purity of how it was given for him to use it to enrich him, to fulfill him, to grow him as a person. Are you with me, guys? Yeah. Are we bringing this over? Is it, is it making sense? So this is, this is so important. It's so important. Nothing from God, nothing from God, okay, is good and bad. It's always only good. Always only good. Religion has made us believe this stuff. Religion. How many people you walk you years walking around saying, "Yes, you know those rich people, they're, e they're evil. And money is money is the root of all evil." Not go read it again. It says the love of money. Yeah. <laughs> what, it doesn't say money. What's the thing that, that religious people do, especially Christians? They say, "But he's unsaved. Why is God blessing him?" <laughs> it's like, <laughs> um, do you ever think maybe he's just good at his job? Sure. Have you ever read the scripture? He says <laughs> he lets the rain fall on the just and the unjust yeah. alike. Amen? Hello? Anyone out there? Stop thinking about sex, guys. <laughs> you know what's going to happen? The more I say don't think about it, you're going to think about yeah. it. <laughs> it's crazy, yeah.
But we have to be so careful. And you know, we can defile the purest things. I've had, I've had friends who have had beautiful children, and the fact that the, the, the boy is such a beautiful boy that they've basically puffed him up from young, dressed him older than, the, than he should be, always used to brag about his good looks or whatever, because it was something that was serving them. And let me tell you something, this kid grew up so bankrupt, and everything was placed on his, on his looks or her looks, to the point where the child was totally broken. You know, they, they got something out of that, that beautiful, pure child. And they defiled it by turning it into something that could serve them instead of them serving the child. I used to work for Supersport, funny enough, years ago as a producer. And I, I, I sat with South Africa's top tennis coach. He's produced more of South, Africans cha South African champions than any other tennis coach. I can't remember his surname, but his first name was Frank. But anyway, Frank something. And we did live shows together. And he would tell me how... The, the parents would see the gift in the child for tennis. And every single day, all they would tell that kid is, you're going to do this, you're going to win, you're going to be the champion, you're going to be this, you're going to be this, you're going to do this, you're going to... And you know what? It wasn't even for the child, it was for themselves. And to the point where they destroyed that child. You know, you told me how many kids were, they were like mentally disturbed. That child goes and becomes the world champion tennis player, and then one day when they pass away, we get a documentary of their life, and they show you, you know, all the bad stuff, but then they show you, but he was the champion, and they redeem all the bad by the success. Yeah. How many times have you seen those things? I mean, look at Michael Jackson. I mean, the guy was broken. But when they do a, a bio of his life, they show you how he started off, and they were pure, uh, poor, and they were humble family, and this, and then all the stuff that went wrong, but look, he was the greatest, and he's the best, and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's supposed to make all that okay. Well, are you with me? And you never get to see behind the scenes. Those people are broken. They're addicted. Mostly alcoholism or drugs or, or something that, is, that these guys are uh, using as a lifeline or as a coping mechanism, you know? That's crazy. And they tell these wonderful Hollywood uh, stories about them, these documentaries. And they ended off with a success, like as if him, his Bugatti, and his addiction went off into the sunset and lived happy ever after. Yeah. Are, are you with me? We make it dirty. We defile it. That's it. Because we want something out of it. I mean, that's such abuse. When you, take a, when you take a child and you turn a child into a self-serving porn for your life. Amen? Are you with us, family? We've seen it with academics. We've seen it with music. We've seen it, you name it. We've seen it with husbands who get a, a really good-looking woman. You know, like these ugly sods who find this beautiful chick in their life. <laughs> and it becomes, <laughs> she becomes a trophy. <laughs> she becomes a trophy wife. You know? Uh, what, what kind of relationship is that about? I mean, what does that become about? Yeah. So it, it's it's self-serving. It's never for the other person. And you'll see, that's why marriage is the model. I mean, we're going to show you now, now. But marriage is the model for every relationship, including the one with God. That's a beautiful thing. I don't know if you want to jump in. No. <laughs> we're, we're going into, into something juicy now. Let me just focus on this one because I'm making notes okay. about what we're going to add afterwards. So are you, are you guys with me? Are you guys with us? You know, we've got to check the desires. And you said something about our bodies this morning. You said, you know, our bodies are, 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 have been given to us as a gift. Yeah. But if you, know, if you don't, if you don't check, your, check your relationship with God and allow God to control your body through the moderation of the Holy Spirit, your own body will become your enemy. Yep. Your body will become your enemy. That thing will slurp you down the passage and drag you to the fridge every 10 minutes. 
Only in winter, Didi. Come Only on, man. Yes, see. <laughs> I know. My wife used to say to me, you're going to get radiation sickness. I said, what do you mean? She said, your face is in the fridge every 10 minutes. <laughs> I was waiting like 110 Ks. Are you, are you with me, guys? I just want to put it the way the Holy Spirit gave it to me this morning. You know, so we get this weird picture. We think that, you know, the devil is sitting there with his new PS PlayStation remote. You know, it's the devil and Beelzebub. Hey, Beelzebub, check my new app here. Check my new features. I found a cheat. Beelzebub's like, hey, Satan, what's a cheat? He says, I can get these oaks to even have sex with a donkey. Check here. <laughs> Have you seen it? Mm. Bestiality. Well, check. I can. I got it. I know how to. I know how to get them to have sex with children. Yeah. That's not what's happening. The devil doesn't have that power. You just read it. The power comes from your desire that pulls you away from God fulfilling it in you. The devil's a fool. He can't even play PlayStation properly. So stupid. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Are you with me, guys? I just pictured him and Satan. You know. <laughs> yeah. Satan and Beelzebub. Yeah. And he's like, Beelzebub, check this. And he's like, what smells like that? Because you know Beelzebub means Lord of the Dung. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> so. <laughs> I think we're digressing a bit. <laughs> <laughs> he's literally known. One of his names is Lord of... Sheesh. <laughs> stinks, they're like. He stinks. Lord of Sheesh. <laughs> he stinks. No, where did that come from? There wasn't a new cheat on, the, on uh, Satan's 5,000 PS, whatever, whatever you want to call it. You know where it came from? It came from people who created that stuff. Yes. And then it gets put in front of you, and then you are lacking because you're not allowing God to fulfill your heart. And then you look at this stuff and you go, oh, maybe that's the ultimate sexual experience. And that thing gets planted in your heart. That's why you've got to be so careful what you listen to, what you watch. Yeah. The next moment, you've you got the most weirdest, perverted thoughts and ideas floating around inside of you. And it's not the devil. The devil's not even, om he's not even omnipresent. He can't be with you and me at the same time. Don't you understand? It's fallen man. It's fallen man. That's what man has created. Amen? Yeah. But you have the power. You have the authority. You have the free will, the control to get that stuff out and away from you. Amen? Give God a round of applause, man. We're allowed to have fun in church. Church is always a party, man. Oh. Well, this church anyway. It's crazy. <laughs> but if you, if you if, let's talk about that for a second. Um, you know, when you're talking about the, the ultimate experience. You know, guys, whether, whether you're a believer or not, okay, it's important that people acknowledge that your five senses are not your ultimate experience. Okay? Everything that you experience in your senses has a saturation point. Let's use food as a basic example. You love ice cream. How much ice cream can you eat? Okay, Kaylin, you can eat a lot. Okay. <laughs> but you have a saturation point. Let's talk about watching movies or series or whatever. You know, you could binge watch 10 hours, and then after 10 hours, you don't want to look at a series for another two months. Are you, oh, except some people, yeah. Do you, guys, you guys understand what I'm saying? Everything in our senses. You could, be, you could love gym and fitness and sport, but even you know, if you go and you play 10 hours of sport for five days a week, what's going to happen? You're going to reach a saturation point, right? So this principle exists whether you're a believer or a non-believer, right? Because why? It's the same design. The difference with a believer is walking with Jesus. But now what happens is, is that when we decide that the hole in our heart, this fulfillment, contentment that I'm looking for is going to come through the senses, this is where the perversion comes in. Are you guys with me? 
Because I'm telling you, you leave people to their own devices, hey, and if they lose consciousness of God, any one of us, to our own devices and we lose consciousness of God, man, we are going to make a plan to get what we want. I'm sorry. It's just how it is. Bash. But why? It was like we were created like that. We were created with what? Free will. Hello? We choose what we want. We choose how we want to do it. We choose, right? And as the believer, our responsibility is we need to choose in light of the light. <coughs> Are you guys with me? Ah, I looked in that thing, man. I can't see. <laughs> so, so when we're talking about all these kind of things, when you come to God, right, at any point in your life where you decide, no, I want to walk with Jesus now, you need to understand that for you to experience a fulfillment that's beyond your senses has to come with turning towards him. It has to come with saying, I used to do it like this. And you need to say, Lord, I used to do it like this. Show me the same thing in your life. Are you with me? You have to do that because what's going to happen is that you have an inner witness now that you're a child of God. You sense his presence. You experience his peace and all these, these different amazing fruit that we have from the spirit. You sense the love, all the stuff. But what's going to happen is, is that when you're carrying on with expressing or fulfilling these desires in a way that's not congruent with that, you're going to experience the corruption that the Bible talks about is in the flesh. It's a, it's a fact that you are a tripart being, remember? Yes. You are a tripart being. You are a spirit. You have a soul. And you live in a body. That's it. You, you need to express and experience all three together through the Creator. Are you with me? The moment you try to do it just through the senses or you try to do it just through uh, uh, emotions or just through uh, 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 knowledge, you are not operating as that full, wholesome, holistic being. Amen? And we've got to be careful because you can have the flip side of that, Bash. You can have people who go and say, well, you know, the Bible says that my, my, my wife must submit to me. And to, be a, to have a good marriage is that we must have sex every night. How many of you guys have met people like that? I've counseled people like this. I've counseled guys who have come to me and the biggest complaint they have is that their wife doesn't want to have sex with them when, when they want to have sex. And this becomes such an issue that the marriage is like hanging on a thread. Are you guys with me? And what they'll do is they'll go to the scriptures and they'll say, you see, but we're one flesh. And her body's my body. And my body's her body. She must do it. It's a duty. Are they, are they fulfilling it in the light of God? No. That's, guys, we've got to understand everything must be experienced through Him. Amen. It's not just a marital duty. It's not just a function, sex. It's actually an expression. It's an expression of intimacy that must be expressed from what you are experiencing in your heart. Amen? You know, as a young Christian man, I made this promise, a secret promise to, in my heart with my wife when, when God dealt with me because I came from a very... Uh, um, crazy background. Uh, you guys, uh, some of you guys know. By the time I was 16, I was already stripping in nightclubs and all that kind of stuff. And women were like, it was a big thing for me. You know, because it was the atmosphere I grew up in. But when I got the purity of God, when, I, when, when God touched my heart, you know, and, and my, my wife became my queen, I made, I made a deal in my heart. I said, never will I pressurize my wife to have sex with me when she doesn't want to? This was like in the first year of our marriage. She doesn't even know. It's the first time she's hearing it. I made that deal in my heart. Because I said to myself, I said, Lord, there is no way I'm going to force my wife to do this. I'll have her body, but I won't have a heart. I won't have a heart. I will lose the intimacy 
that my marriage is supposed to, to, to be built on because she must just fulfill a duty for me. This is scary stuff. People don't even think about this stuff. And then they want to know why their wives have got those boxes of, of uh, what's it, Daniel Steele books in the garage. Remember those old novels? Those romantic novels? With Hercules on the horse with the long hair. <laughs> what, is it? what are those things called? Can the anyone man never remember? skipped chest hair, bro. That shirt couldn't even <laughs> close. Like Any of the ladies remember the name of the author? This book? Yeah, it was Daniel Steele. Is it Daniel Steele? Yeah. I mean, when I was growing up, hey, all my friends' moms had boxes of that stuff in the garage or packed away somewhere. I mean, boxes of romantic novels. They were like, it was almost like, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, pornography in, in literature. Why were they doing that? Because they are, the, the husband's idea of sex or intimacy was a marital duty. There was a... Are you with me, guys? Sure, man. It's, it's, so, it's so crazy. It's a, big deal. It's, a, it's a massive thing. It's huge. You know, there's, there's a principle. Um, yeah, now, you guys who have been in church circles, have you heard... Sins of commission and sins of omission. You know when they go into like that super deep sin study, you know, sort of thing. Which I suppose over here we don't overkill it, but we give you the truth about it. But you know the sins of omission, right? Like you were talking about now, the marital duty, you know. It's so amazing that when you look at, uh, you look at it through scripture with anything, right? Previously it used to be taught that a sin of omission was something you forgot, you know. And then, you know, what do you do? That blanket statement, Lord, forgive me for everything. You know, that whole story that they made up, right? But in the effort from religion of being outwardly clean, because that is religion's effort to be outwardly clean, right? Missing the mark, one of the points of missing the mark in the Old Testament is doing the right thing, but you did not have the motive of love. Now, this is a heavy thing because we oftentimes take confidence in that we did the right thing. But wait, you're not just supposed to do the right thing. You're supposed to have the motive of love. Not the self-seeking love, the God kind of love. Are you guys with me? And now you will see even today that people who are estranged to the true message of the gospel and experiencing the love of God, even when they read scripture, scripture becomes death. Are you with me? Because scripture now becomes performance. But when we read scripture in the way God intended it, and we read it with the motive of love, now scripture becomes fulfilling. Are you guys with me? And that's with anything. You know, I promise you, there's even times where, you know, someone phones me, or, and you know when you're busy with things, you're like, man, you're in the mix. You've got to flow. Things are happening. Someone phones, I need this. And you're like, okay, I'll help you. It's not just me, okay? You guys are better than me. It's fine, okay? <laughs> but the truth is, you know what I have to do in that moment? Because I know that it is a blessing to serve people. But in that moment, if I don't put my own heart in the right place and bring myself to a point of love for that person to serve them, I miss out God's light. Are you with me? Now, helping that person becomes something that takes from me instead of me giving something. Are you with me? Trivial example, but this is in all the examples we spoke about this morning. I mean, you think about it. Let, let's take marital duty, right? It's all that kind of stuff. And, and it's a big thing now, especially with the, with the younger crowd and, uh, and the digital sort of media side. And right? Andrew Tate guys. Yeah, all, all of that. So all the things are coming up and, you know, men are like this and women are like this. But every single discussion you hear is that, no, a man must be like this. And that guy is speaking from the point that serves himself. Then you got the girls on the other side. No, women must be like this. And their point is purely from serving themselves. And the actual craziness of it to realize that the union that God put together between man and woman is that both of them are dead. You're laughing because it's rough, eh? It's like, it's like I am not here for anything for myself. I have chosen to put myself here, led by the Holy Spirit, faith in Him and faith in the love that this other person has for me. I've put myself here to lay my life down. 
and you have put yourself in that position only with trust that you lay your life down so they can serve you in the same way that they lay their life down so you can serve them. This, this is, guys, this is how hectic it is. People who get into relationships with each other for any other motive, good luck. Chaos shall be yours. <laughs> not from the devil, <laughs> not from God, not from anything, because God designed a model, because you see, the design of the individuals involved, they can only interact in a certain way. There's no way out of that. They can interact in a certain way to produce harmony. But now the minute we hack that or we disrupt that, we must not be surprised about what we see. And that goes with the way we manage ourselves, like we were talking about the desires and, you know, all that kind of stuff, and how we manage our relationships. If we're not in the relationship from that point of view where, okay, I'm here by myself, I'm completely vulnerable, I of myself, I'm laying my life down and I will serve you in love. Where am I getting that model from? I think we're going to get to that now yeah, about uh, Christ and, and the church. We're going to get to that now. But that's our example. Paul explained this in Ephesians, right, where he says, listen, when you commit to each other in marriage, this is how it needs to be. Guys, if it is not like that, it doesn't mean you're going to have a bad marriage. It doesn't mean you're going to have bad relationships, all that stuff. What it means is, is that you're not going to have perfect. Are you with me? Bash, we can't be perfect. No, 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 hold on. If we're going to talk about perfect, we have to talk about it in the way Jesus spoke about it. What is it, Matthew 5, 48, 3? 48. Matthew 5, 48. This is a heavy statement. And pastors love this one because they just manipulate people with this. It's great. But check this. Matthew 5, 48. Jesus. There we go. Okay. <laughs> be perfect, therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now what's interesting is that when everyone quotes the scripture, they give you their version of perfection. They don't, yeah, they don't give you the context Jesus was talking about. You know what I'm saying? So some guy will say, oh, you're not perfect, man. You only squat 80 kgs. Cease. <laughs> you're not perfect. You don't earn this much money. You're not perfect. You're not even married yet. You're not perfect. You don't have an education. All these things that people made up, reasonings to serve themselves. But here's the interesting part. Jesus here, when he's saying, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, he's not talking about conduct. He's not talking about how you live your life. He's talking about the love that you carry in your heart. He's saying, make sure that love is perfect as God's love is perfect. Are you guys with me? You guys want to hear more about this? Go and check out Ed Elliott. This man has written PhDs on how to be perfected in love. Are you with me? We need to move past the external conduct, the, the external good to this point where if we look in our hearts and we say, wow, but has his love come and fulfilled and changed everything inside me? Have I experienced him in the selfless way that he deals with me so that I can deal with that selfless way towards people? That's the question. Are you guys with me? Ephesians? Uh, we can get to okay. Ephesians 5 yeah. now. But why is marriage the model? You know what, what Bash is saying, that self-serving model? Why is marriage the model? Because marriage is the ultimate relationship, the ultimate experience between two human beings. It's supposed to be. And we get so excited about it, and honeymoons are so awesome. And then after the honeymoon fades, what happens? We think like, Lord, did you trick me? <laughs> oh, Lord, I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> you laugh. We've heard that, eh? <laughs> Newlyweds have come to us. I'm like, listen. <laughs> like, okay, breathe. It's <laughs> like, Lord, I thought this was all about this person is going to make me happy. I thought this person is going to fulfill all my desires. I thought, you know, once I get married, everything, I'll never have to look and, you know, everything's going to be so great. But, God, but God's got something special in marriage for you. You know what it's going to do? Marriage is going to teach you how to sacrifice. Mm. How to live Not story. once a year in Passover. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> See, religious people want to make a sacrifice on the holy days. Yeah. But God goes, no, 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 no. I'm going to give you this experience called marriage, and it's going to teach you to sacrifice day in and day out. 
until I bring you to a place through this experience of love where you literally die to yourself for the other person. You come to a place where you live for that person and you get the title of I am second. That's it. She gets, she lives for you and she gets the title of she is second. Amen? You know, it's, it's that thing you said, it's I thought this person it. was going to make me happy. I thought this person was going to fulfill me. The actual model is I'm here to make this person happy. I'm here to serve this person. I'm here to fulfill this person. And something so crazy like that, only God can make work. I promise you. It's like if, if, if you look at that kind of union, right, and you try and think that people are doing that apart from the grace of God. I don't know about you guys, but I don't like difficulty in life, okay? Drama and me are not together. One of two things is going to happen if you come to me with drama. I'm going to walk away for your sake. I'm going to deal with you for your sake. That's my approach. I'm sorry because I just don't process drama well. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you look at this union that you're talking about and you think to yourself that, you know, this, this cutting of, of self, you know, I'm not, I'm, trying, I'm not trying to make it difficult or hurtful or whatever, but it's a reality that takes place when, when you look at it and you realize it's like, okay, but if I choose right now to put myself ahead of this person, I must not be surprised of the consequence that comes. I'm going to get the short-term gratification of being right, of being ahead, of being chosen, of being whatever. But the hurt that I'm going to cause is going to echo for I don't know how long. And how complicated it could be to sort it out. You, you know what I'm saying? It, it is something. You're the married one, man. Tokyo, what's happening? <laughs> yes. But, but it's the truth. But you know that the king that always takes is never respected. True. That's it. Have you guys noticed that? The king that always takes is never respected by the people. The king that serves, the people bow automatically. So if you give, 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 and I give, and I give, and I give, and what I do is I allow Trish to come and put a crown on me. I don't put my own crown. I become her king through loving her, sacrificing for her, understanding her, putting my feelings aside, uh, even when she irritates me. You know, even when she irritates me, I, 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 I'm irritated in love. <laughs> <laughs> Please, pray for me, Pastor. I want to learn that. Hallelujah. <laughs> no, but you, it's an exercise. You, you, you practice it. You practice it. Now, now what happens is, even when I'm irritated, I'm thinking... You know, this thing irritates me, but you know, I love her so much, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you understand? And I'm sure she does the same thing. I'm sure. Well, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I hope she doesn't stop loving you. And when she's not irritated, she's back. <laughs> <laughs> but what happens is, and when she gives to me, I crown her as my queen. Are you with me? She doesn't take that. She's not allowed to take. If you take it, you failed. The one who loves you has to crown you. Amen? That's how marriage is designed. Marriage is designed to bring you to the place, not to just understand your wife. Marriage is designed to bring you to the place where you can control yourself, your wife, your children, your life. And at the, the end of it, you understand the unconditional love Amen. of the Father. Because no matter how much hurt, no matter how much frustration, no matter how many challenges, no matter even if it was purposeful hurt, or it doesn't matter, what you do is you learn to love unconditionally. And that changes you. Amen? Changes you into the model of God. You become an unconditional lover. That is the highest a reward any human being can achieve. Imagine that you can dispense love without thinking how you're going to be shortchanged. That's the love of Christ. Imagine you can dispense love in your greatest challenges, in your lowest times, 
without thinking that you're going to lose. Do you know what that makes you? That makes you a giant among men. You are unshakable. You are unstoppable. You're not like the oak who didn't get sex this week and now he's a miserable sod all day long. Bad temper, he's upset, he's edgy, swearing at the customers. Because he's not getting what he wants, it's about what he wants. Are you with me? Somebody came to me once and said, you know what? I have to. I, I don't have a desire for women. I, I, I actually like men. That's why I'm. 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 I'm actually acting out on this desire with men, because uh, I need to fulfill this need. I can't do it with a woman. And I was like, do you really need to have sex so bad? God said to uh, people in the Bible, "It's like you're gonna go. You're gonna follow me. You're not gonna get married. You're gonna serve me." You're going to fall in love with me. There's many of them in the Bible. So these proud oaks who are running around you, trying to tell everybody that this is my need, I, I deserve this. God says that a real man can even go without it. Yeah. A man of God can go without it. Yeah. Amen? Are you guys with me? Do you guys understand? I don't even think we can get into Ephesians 5, but we'll get into Ephesians 5 and we'll show you the role of the husband and how the buck stops with the husband, just by the way, because he's the head of the house. Hey, don't, don't forget about the wives. The male's getting excited. He's like, yeah, you tell my husband. You tell him. You tell. <laughs> and I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Next week. <laughs> and and it, it stands for anything, eh? Anything in life. You know, if... if if you take a minute and you sober your mind and you think, having the Holy Spirit inside of you and whatever it is in your life that's controlling you. Let's say, let's say you know, you, you can't get away from this thing. Let's say it's gaming. Yeah, let's say it's gaming. <laughs> Why is everyone laughing? Just, Do you have a problem with gaming, Pastor no, Didi? No, no, no. Uh oh. Because I don't. <laughs> Are you sure? I don't. What? <laughs> ah, guys. <laughs> My computer's for sale. If any, no, it's not. I'm lying. It's not. Anyway, but <laughs> how much? But the thing is this: if you take a moment and you realize, wait a minute, this is an inanimate, man-made piece of junk, and this thing controls me. I claim to believe I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. I claim to believe I'm a new creation. I claim all these things, and I walk around. I'm a child of God. Yet this. Useless piece of silicone, glass, and aluminium controls my life. Let's just take a moment and sober ourselves up. Even if it's substance, even if it's food, even if it's people. And those are the same guys who are saying, I've been called to the nations. Yeah. <laughs> Before you call to the nations, let's just, let's just call to the call inside of you, okay? Because the truth is this, guys, is that if we are to truly walk in who we are in Christ, that needs to be our thing. That it doesn't matter what springs up in our flesh. The spirit inside of us is more. That there is nothing that you can have unfulfilled in your flesh that you cannot experience in God. That's the truth of it. Amen. Nothing is difficult. What did Paul say? I have beaten my body into submission so that I may claim the reward. What rewards he talking about? He's talking about the work that God's doing in him. Nothing he can earn. It's that the potential that was in him, he made a decision that he will have no limitation here in the natural. Are you guys with me? That is how, that's the attitude we're supposed to have. What is it that's keeping me down, that's keeping me limited, that I've accepted? You know, oh, Pastor, I'm just, I'm just doing this thing on the side, you know? Listen. You're going to ac accept the consequences from it, but you're denying the power to overcome it. That's the key. Amen. Amen. Why don't we give God a round of applause? <laughs> you see how important relationships are, guys? And it's important for us to understand why God has designed us like this. Because it's, it's to bring us to His heart. Amen. To serve people, not ourselves. Amen? That's where we will get fulfillment in this life. 
if you, are, if you find yourself sitting and listening to this and you find that you are selfish, you are drunk. You know, the Bible says this. It says, do not be drunk with alcohol. Be drunk in the Spirit. That just means influenced. If you're influenced by the selfish desires and the Holy Spirit has no influence in your life, you're in trouble. If it's gaming that's influencing you, if it's working all day long, if it's your hobbies, and it's robbing you of having that time with the loved, your loved ones, you're under the, you are drunk. You're drunk. It might not be alcohol, but you're drunk with self. And this is where God wants to bring us to this place where we can appreciate this stuff. Amen? In each other. So don't get down on yourself. There's no condemnation here. This is truth. Amen? Take it, use it, grow with it, and learn to love each other through it. Amen? Awesome. One more big round of applause for Jesus, the King of Kings.